Welcome to the Marvel Events Timeline, the podcast that takes you on a journey through Timely, Atlas, and Marvel Comics, one event at a time. Here are your hosts, Travis Bowe and Brian Lockhart. Oh man, you ready to talk about some Red Skull? I am definitely ready to talk about some Red Skull. <laughs> yeah, I might get a little scared though. He is a, he is pretty scary. So, <laughs> right. Last time I I heard about it, he was uh, some sort of ice cream villain. So, well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Travis. Um, we almost got the hot fudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was maybe one of the names that was thrown around for uh, uh, Red Skull, which. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would say it was probably a, a, a joke that Simon has told through the years. Yeah. yeah, so the Red Skull, like, what would you say? He's probably maybe Marvel's first villain? I mean, I don't want to say that with 100% certainty, but for I all intent purposes? Th- I think he basically is. I mean, each story that we've talked about, you know, Human Torch and Namor and um, all these issues, like they've had villains, but most of them have just been racketeers and gangsters and no one that has been a recurring villain. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely nobody that's lasted the way. Yeah. The skull has. So yeah, we're going to talk about red skull. I think Brian's going to share some, uh, some history of the red skull. And then we're going to talk about, uh, three, uh, stories from three separate issues. Uh, we'll be talking about Captain America Comics number one, case number four, and then Captain America Comics number three, case number one, and finally Captain America Comics number seven, case number one. Yeah, what I like to call the Red Skull Trilogy. Yeah. I mean, it, it basically is. I mean, we'll get it, into it. Yeah, it felt like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised they weren't continuous issues, you know, the way it was basically done. That's the weird thing about how these Captain America stories come out is that each book, each magazine has, I mean, there's definitely have been four Captain America stories in each one. They're all uh, independent of each other. And then there's also usually tacked in like, a prose story like the one Tom Taylor read last time, um, a hurricane story and like a tuck tuck or whatever, like a Kazar ish kind of, kind of story. So you're getting like six stories in, in all these, uh, books and then four of them are Captain America. But yeah, it's, it's weird because the red skull stories all kind of are sequential but then the rest of the stories around them aren't. So yeah, it's an yeah. odd way to put these books together. I think we'll get into it, though. Yeah. You know, as we talk about the actual stories. But I, I do think that Simon and Kirby knew they had something good on their hands with the Red Skull. You know, because it yeah. does seem like, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's like a lot of villains back then were one and done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even what? Joker was killed early on in the early Batman movie. You know, appearances, isn't that I think. Uh, wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Yeah, so they. I don't think they knew what they had at the time. So they were still building the comic book format as we know it today. Yeah. You know, it was all new. It was all being invented. So I do think that, I, I mean, I don't know if I said this last time when we when we were kind of focusing on Captain America number one, but I really like the way they break up these uh, stories as their case files. I like that too, yeah. It's it's really neat. It's like, hey, 
this is one adventure. You know, mm-hmm. here's another adventure because that's how comics were done back then. As far as like the different stories, they were like anthology. There were bigger books, although these all happen to be featuring mostly Captain America. And I know about the prose, like what Tom uh, read for us. Um, and I think since we are, you know, touching on Captain America number three, there was a prose story. I think it was something about revenge of like a spy or something like that. I forget, you know, traitor's revenge. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, traitor's revenge. That was Stan Lee's first byline. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into more of Stan Lee when we get to Stan Lee. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that'll come up then. I just little yeah. little anecdote since we're we're hitting that issue because you know they had to do uh, it was something about to be on newsstands. They had to have like two or three pages of prose or something like that. Mm. Do you get the wonderful Tom Taylor red soldier suit yeah. because of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get in the history of Skull a little bit. So the story, the legend, if you will, as it goes of the creation of the Red Skull was one day Simon used to go to this diner on a regular basis and he was having a hot fudge Sunday. And he was just like, you know, he's always looking for ideas uh, for, you know, characters, villains, whatever. And he noticed the way the fudge was oozing all over the place and he thought it looked like limbs or legs or tentacles or something like that and he's like oh that could be a cool villain he's like maybe i'll call him hot fudge rizzik nah Mm. it's a dumb idea you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) but what caught his eye was the cherry on top and and he was like oh that looks like a skull and of course it's red so he's like what's a red skull and he's like hey the red skull that sounds like a great name (laughs) it's a it's a fantastic name and it's actually a fantastic visual too Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say a lot of these early villains and, and, and drawings are kind of, they're iffy at times, I think, for, for me, so as much as I do like a lot of it. and, and But the skull's fairly scary looking, you know? It's, yeah. it's I don't know, it's, I, it's, it's, a, it's a great visual that's to me, has only been perfected as years have gone on. There's been some great incarnations of uh, artist interpretation of what the skull looks like. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, even on film, too. You know, sure. I gotta say, like, just interjecting here, that I think the the skull visualization in these stories, I think he's better drawn than Captain America is in most instances. So, hundred percent agree. You know, because when you're trying to do a human, it's kind of the same thing with like Toy Story when they're like, mm, oh, we right. could do toys, but we can't do humans. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least not early on. Yeah, but, you know, Skull is, if, if you mess something up and don't get the anatomy just right, well, it's meant to be scary and crazy yeah. and otherworldly. But, well, anyway, so the, the the story that I just relayed from Simon has been, you know, consistently told for, you know, his version of things for about 50 years. And, and I'm sure there's some serious truth to what he is saying there, but there's some inconsistencies of who may or may not have developed or created the Red Skull. So at one point, I think Kirby, you know, said he created them outright. But also in the 1970 San Diego Comic-Con, Red Skull gave Francis Heron, Mm. also known as Ed Heron, credit for creating Captain America. Captain America. (laughs) Red Skull. We're talking about Red Skull here. Yeah. Yeah. He he basically said, uh, and I got this from... Brian Cronin's comic book legend from uh, 2019 about who created uh, the Red Skull. Okay, and it was he 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 grabbed the official quote from that Comic Con that said the red and this is from Kirby himself. The Red Skull was created by Eddie Huron, 
who created Captain Marvel. And Eddie Huron was one of the best writers that DC ever had. He was a professional. So he created the Red Skull. Now, he did not actually create Captain Marvel. <laughs> he created Captain right. Marvel Jr. Yeah. Okay. And that's, okay. I mean, that's the quote, but- That'd be um, an easy thing probably to, to get mixed up. Yeah. And even the, even the uh, article kind of gives him- I mean, Kirby's known for his lapses in memory. Sure. He may be getting stories a little bit inconsistent, but- you know, he wasn't involved with the creation of DC characters at that time, but he was involved with the Red Skull. So it's like, hey, look, oh, he's not going to remember a detail from 20 he years missed prior the mark, that he was but hit the target. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's in the ballpark. So, yeah. So late, you know, later in life, Simon gave some credit to Francis Heron as well. So this is also from that same article um, as actually Michael Browning wrote in Tomorrow's Alter Ego number 155. Simon said that Huron definitely had a hand in creating the Red Skull for Captain America Comics Number 1, published in 1941. And this is the quote. Both Eddie Huron and Marty Burston, uh, one of the many pen names used by Jack Kirby, work for me. And I don't know who first came up with him, the Red Skull, but I was looking for very graphic things to put into the script. I looked through characters that would draw well. Did Eddie have a part in creating that? Question mark. Yeah, you can say he did. So the deal with Eddie Huron there was... I think we talked about him in the past. Like he, he was uh, somebody that they brought in to help with uh, scripts. Sure, because he he auditioned to come over to work with Simon at uh, Fox Publication. Mm. He was the one that came in and he was like, "Here, here's my here's my portfolio," and he said, "You're a terrible artist." <laughs> Pretty sure I got into this before. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, but but he started looking at the rest of his work. He's like, "Well, you got fantastic ideas," and and here I was like, "Yeah, I'm a great writer." He's just a terrible <laughs> artist. <laughs> so he was one of the guys that they would bring in during the, um, you know, the timely days when they were when they were getting behind, and he would help out. He would help write scripts and stuff. So I believe he did write um, this case number four, even though it says Simon and Kirby on it. Sure. You know, if if you go to Wikipedia, it says that you know, and we'll get into this now that the first appearance was credited to Joe Simon Francis Huron and Jack Kirby. However. When, like, let's say in the uh, MCU, there's no mention of uh, Francis Huron when it comes yeah. to, uh, we'd like to thank, you know, whatever. And I, I think the reason that is is because the Johann Schmidt version of the character, uh, Huron had nothing to do with. It was all Simon and Kirby. Okay. I don't want to give too much detail before we get into the actual right. stories, but there is a reason why <laughs> credit is a little fuzzy when it comes to who created them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It was, I think it's safe to say all three of these gentlemen uh, had a hand in, in, the, in what we see on, on page. So what do you say we get into it? Let's get into let's Let's learn about the Red Skull with case number four, actually, right? From Captain America number one. That's correct. And yeah, and that's also something we're going to be doing a little bit differently now. We're not just going to... Go page to page, panel to panel, talking about every every little detail of these uh, stories. We'll each do a summary. Not each. We'll, we'll do a summary of the story. And then we'll go back and talk about things we found uh, noteworthy. Without further ado, here is Captain America and the Riddle of the Red Skull. The story starts with our heroes, Captain America and Bucky, or... Should I say their secret identities, Private Steve Rogers and Bucky. They're escorting a major back to his home, as there has possibly been a threat made against his life by the mysterious Red Skull. The major waves them off as he heads into his home, where he retires with a good book. 
when all of a sudden the Red Skull is on him, choking the life out of him and hypnotizing the Major as the light leaves his eyes. When the police arrive to investigate the death, Rogers and Bucky are there, for some reason. They make their exit and quickly get into their superhero costumes, only for Cap to tell Bucky to sit this one out. Bucky decides that sitting on the sidelines is for chumps, and will conduct his own investigation for the Red Skull. Meanwhile, in the shady Nazi hideout across town, the Red Skull and his gangster henchmen are going over their plan to overthrow the government. Little do they know, Bucky is eavesdropping on them from the skylight above. Leaving to warn someone, Bucky manages to get into a scrap with one of the henchmen in the alley. The two have a good scrap, but ultimately the goon gets the better of Bucky and brings him inside to the Red Skull. The Red Skull immediately identifies the boy as, as the plucky partner of one Captain America. The Red Skull announces his plans to hostage the boy when suddenly there's a knock at the door as the red, white, and blue clad Captain America bursts through the door with his mighty shield. He and Bucky make short work of the goons while the Red Skull makes his escape. The next day, back at the camp, Private Rogers and Bucky are witnessing a test of a new plane provided by the Maxon Aircraft Corporation alongside the General and George Maxon himself. The test goes horribly, and the plane and all its inhabitants burn up. The General returns home, where his wife brings him a package that arrived earlier that day. Opening the box, he finds a red skull mask and a note that basically says, Don't turn around. He doesn't heed the note, and turns to find the red skull poised to strike. The skull quickly kills the General and crosses him off the list of enemies. The General's wife is almost the red skull's next victim, when in bursts Captain America, late as usual. The two fight for a few panels until the Red Skull gets the upper hand and is about to perform his death stare on Cap when Bucky arrives just in time. Captain America wakes up to deliver the defeating blow to the Red Skull, shattering his mask to reveal that it was Old Man Maxon all along. Cap reveals the Skull's plan, which involves injecting his victims with poison so that they believe they were being killed by the Red Skull's death stare. Death stare has a nice ring to it. The Red Skull makes a go for his deadly syringe when Bucky intervenes and takes him down. Bucky and the Red Skull have a quick scuffle that ends with the Red Skull dead, impaled upon his own syringe. Captain America phones the FBI to inform them the Red Skull has committed suicide, and then the pair quickly flee the scene. When G-Men arrive to investigate, they find a note to Maxon from Defuhrer himself, promising him a top position when the Reich overthrows America. The story ends with Private Rogers and Bucky enjoying a nice sit and the promise of further adventures to come in the pages of Captain America comics. The end. I, I don't know how we're going to have any more to talk about after, <laughs> after this uh, you know, episode or this story because Skull's dead. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this story starts out with... Uh, almost mythical aspect to the red skull he's he's a character they've heard about but even the the threat on the major's life is is vague they ask him about some sort of uh, if if they'll need kind of his assistance and he says just a prank yeah just a prank rogers there's no such person as the red skull yeah he literally calls it poppycock <laughs> yeah i'm bringing that i'm bringing that word back nobody uses it enough anymore right um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like he's like an urban legend. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and and really, as we'll see in the, like the next couple pages, like he is just getting his start. Like this is, this is the origin. This is Red Skull begins. Um, oh yeah. Because you know he's there waiting for the the major, and uh, yeah, he kills him, and then I think he says, you know, yeah, he is the first. There will be many, 
or there will be many others to look at death. So his his list is extensive, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's like five people on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? One of the things I like about these cases is it's almost like you get a cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like so, you know, it's Captain America in the case of the Red Skull, and and that that could easily be the cover to that. Like if this were its own issue. Well, and, I uh, think I. I might have talked about it last time. I think these were just, you know, this was a 14-page story that Joe and Jack put together. And like we talked about, like, they had all this material sitting on a shelf, you know, ready to go, I think. So I think this was essentially its own finished story. You know, I'm sure they polished it and probably colored it once they grouped it up with other stories. But, yeah, this could have served as the cover. It is a great rendering of... uh, the Red Skull, I've, I've never seen him really featured like quite like this, where he's got this uh, like Nazi's bucket uh, helmet on. It's totally different from how I've seen him before. But Yeah, it's almost as if he was fighting in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I just like that he's he's crushing a, like a, well, I, I assume it's an American plane, but I was joking that it was a Messerschmitt just because I think that's a funny name. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this story does involve a, a test airplane, so I guess it's that's the plane here. Yeah, because actually this, there's like a, a scuffle happening with Nazis on a flight field. Yeah. And Bucky's punching somebody below the belt, let's just say. He fights dirty. <laughs> he does. I noticed, I mean, right on this first page, it's like the second panel. I, it's like the dialogue is backwards. I noticed that throughout all of these stories. Yeah. They really don't follow the, you know, the, the people read from left to right. Again, I, I go back to the thing is they were just, this is all new. They were still yeah, creating, yeah. you know, the format. Absolutely. But I had to reread so many panels. Um because I got confused as to who said what, and it didn't make sense. You know, someone's response didn't make sense because you find out, well, it is their response to what was said before. So, yeah, it was that was a little, a little jarring. Um, the other thing I had an issue with in most of these stories was the, the panel layouts. They'd take weird directions, and I, I love the look of the layouts, the, the panels themselves, because they don't all just, they're not set up in a grid. You know, they're they're taking a lot of, like, creative uh, liberties with some panels are curved. and But then sometimes the panels don't even end up going from left to right. Yeah, they actually had arrows in a couple points to be like. Yeah. Hey. And honestly, when when you get creative like that, I appreciate, I always appreciate it when, when they're like, this is the flow that you're supposed to do, because some more modern comics, when they don't do that, I've had to go back and look at a page more than mm-hmm. once, you know. It's yeah. like, all right, I, something, I'm missing something here. <laughs> yeah. That problem is alleviated when you read the guided view on the app. <laughs> oh, sure. Now that I've got an iPad to do all this stuff with, I don't tend to do the guided view. I tend to just look at it, you know, the the full page. I mean, honestly, that is the way it was intended. You know, because that's how it was created back then, and I wish, I wish my phone was big enough in order to do that. <laughs> I mean, I just got a few little observations here and yeah. there. Just you know, like it always kills me that all these generals and majors and they're like they're like eighty year old men. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I know it was the 40s and times were rough back then, but like the the major at the beginning looks like Alfred Pennyworth or something like that, or Commissioner Gordon. Like these are old old guys, you know. But even even Rogers, who couldn't be more than like 25 years old, looks like he's like 40. I think the major here, he's he's 39. <laughs> he's yeah, just right. it's been a it's been 39 years of living, you know, in the 1900s to 1940. <laughs> and not only that, he's a military guy. In, right. You know, you know, back then. Yeah, I was, you're, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, there's no way this 60 year old man would still be in the military. I know yeah. we're about to go to war, but gee whiz. <laughs> it always gets me, but it's like, well, you know, older men yeah. command authority, you know, like it's, they do, they still do that in movies. They'll, they'll hire Tommy Lee Jones, who's like 80 years old, and make him a general. <laughs> yeah. I do like, too, that, uh, the Red Skull doesn't even try to hide that he's a Nazi. I mean, he's got a big swastika. <laughs> yeah. uh, ju- it's it's a red jump. Well, what well, it's like more like a maroon jumpsuit with a white, big white, not you know, uh, uh, swastika on it. I do wish they had put him in a green jumpsuit just to play off the red, because the mar- red on maroon, it's not a good color scheme here. They they need something to break up the color, but. I agree, but there's a couple times where I I saw him and I'm like, this looks pretty cool. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And I do like the when they do the hypnotic eyes, you know, for the, for the death. <laughs> yeah, it's like look at death, look at death, and it's like a white background. Um, the major's eyes are bugging out, and you mm-hmm. just see like multiple uh, fuzzy, faded renderings of of the skull's face. I I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, I like that. Also, really like that the Red Skull kills uh, the Major here, and uh, Rogers and Bucky they show up, but Red Skull is still just hanging out outside the window on the you know on the on the ledge, yeah. ledge, yeah, laughing. Picture Doctor Doom hanging out outside the window, like you know eavesdropping on the like his handiwork. Yeah, I just it would not work for for someone like that, but I, I like it here. Well, he's like Haas. The stupid police are baffled. <laughs> he likes like, to gl- he likes to gloat. I've noticed. So. Well, it's like it's like they always say serial killers uh, return oh, yeah. to the you know the scene of the crime. I'm like, I don't think he ever left. I think he was yeah. hanging out the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Little pet peeve of mine um, comes with with this decision for for Private Rogers here, and and he, you know, they're starting to figure out like. Like kind of what happened, and they're not even there because they're being questioned. It's a little weird that they came back. I mean, it was yeah, set up, it was set up that they were worried about the major. Yeah, and and that they you know and, and they even though the major dismissed them, they still were like eh, but they just kind of show back up, you know. Like, yeah, and, and <laughs> first I I love the fact that like you said, it's like Private Rogers and Bucky. You know, they then go hide, you know, become Captain America and Bucky, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Like, come on. You guys, you guys can't figure this out. I know. I mean, the skull is dumb. They're dumb. They're, you know, yeah. this is going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I love the built-in excuse that they have of Bucky being a 12-year-old kid, or mm-hmm. he's like 11 or 12, and it's like, oh, it's time for, I'm really sleepy. I, I got to go to bed. Yeah, it's and your bedtime, just, yeah. Yeah, so he can, yeah, let's go, chum, you know? And then he, you know, that explains why he's, why all of a sudden Bucky's here, well, yeah. How could he be other Bucky? He's sleeping right now. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> well, this is, uh, this gets me to my like pet peeve here of the a character suddenly changing their mind, like where the writer could have just made a panel of Cap telling Bucky to go to his barracks, you know, 
Like, why write the character to change their mind? Why not make it a, a decisive moment and say, hey, Bucky, we haven't faced anything like this before. I'm going to go investigate. You go back to the barracks. It's just odd to, to say that, or to have them both get into costume and then Ca- Captain America say, on second thought, uh, you know, I'm going to do this alone. Wait here. <laughs> it's yeah, just... I'll- yeah. Wait here at the dead man's house <laughs> in uniform. Now you, know, so yeah. you, you could you could have left him behind as Private Bucky instead exactly. of superhero yeah. Bucky. You know, so you know because Cap leaves him, and I, I totally get you know what you're saying. It like it's silly that they're doing that, but I, I mean, it's like it's like they didn't come up, they didn't think ahead to like give him an excuse of why they're separated, right? Because uh, he could have sent Bucky off, and then Bucky still was like, you know what, I'm a kid, I'm going to do what I want. Instead of going back home, he can he's going to go search on his own. But that's what he ends up doing anyways, is he takes him out upon himself. But I'd like that he was calling him Mister Skull. Yeah, he was like, I'm gonna I'll look up this uh, Mister Red Skull myself. And my thought was, you know, I believe it's Doctor Red Skull. I don't think he <laughs> spent six years in evil medical school to be called Mister. Thank you very much. <laughs> that man does not have a doctorate. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> But I mean, if you think about it, like Bucky ends up like he's he finds the Red Skull. He just it, it even says uh, even as the the killer spies make their plans, Bucky accidentally discovers their headquarters. So like he's doing better than Captain America is. So yeah, his mistake was better than Captain America's trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right before that though, or what he's eavesdropping on is. Uh, Skull explaining the whole story, or not, yeah. not, not the story, but the scheme. Like, like to you know, he's got he's got a uh, you know plans about how he's going to overthrow the government, and you know he's pointing to maps and all sorts of stuff, and his and how his uh you know is he's going to they need money basically. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll national it'll, banks. Right, it'll involve a, a bank heist. So right, it's, it's all money, you know, and, yeah. and and given that he's talking about like money and and he's got maps and and overthrowing governments, I. I I, my mind immediately went to this old um, '80s skit from of Saturday Night Live, and it was uh, Phil Hartman playing Ronald Reagan, explaining the Iran Contra money okay. laundering scheme to his staff. And Ronald Reagan was the only one that knew what was going on. So he, he like he had all his staff down, and he's got the map up, and he's telling, he's like, "All right, what we do is this. we funnel this to here, and we do, you know." And he's doing this, and and everybody's going, "Mr. President, slow down. We don't understand." And he goes, "That's right. You don't have to understand. Only I need to understand." <laughs> and then when like somebody would come in for a press photo, he'd be like, "Ah, oh, this is a part of the job I hate. All right, get out of here." Well, everybody, how are you? <laughs> and he's like, "All right, back to work." And he's doing, and that's that's all I could think of when I saw the skull t- trying to tell these numb skulls how he's going to overthrow the U.S. government. <laughs> My mind goes all sorts of places uh, outside of comics. <laughs> but Bucky, you know, falling, keeping in line with his goof of finding them accidentally, he basically like has a series of goofs. So, like he drops like dirt onto one of the thugs, and then he then he falls. Like he just falls off the building. <laughs> yeah, and then gets some some good shots in during the, the little fight. And this is one of those pages that this one was hard to follow because it's set up in a, in a way where it's like there's a left column of of panels and there's a right panel, a, a right column of panels, and it almost looks like you're meant to follow the left column all the way down and then go back up to the top. But yeah. this is one that has like arrows taking you along this path but then 
the the last panel you read is on the lower left hand side of the page, which is never where you end up end a page. You know, I mean, in in reading books, you know, or I mean, now in comics, you always end the page at the lower right. So, yeah. Yeah. but like you said, you know, they're creating this stuff. You know, they're they're setting the. I don't know. They're they're trying stuff, and I guess I guess seeing what doesn't work because that this sort of thing doesn't really stick around. So yeah, I, I do like the 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 attempt to break up to just say there's three to six yeah. panels per page, you know, whatever or four or whatever the yeah. standard was. Um, one thing I do like about this fight that Bucky has with his henchman is yeah, Bucky's getting all these like hits in on him, but one punch. And the thug knocks out Bucky, and as you would a twelve-year-old child, <laughs> right? Exactly. He's not super powered like Cap. He's a twelve-year-old kid that was facing off with a grown man, right? You know, yeah, he's fast. He's you know he's feisty and he's acrobatic, but all it takes is one punch right in the kisser, and he's out. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Red Skulls, you know, he's threatening Bucky's life. He knows that it'll it'll bring Captain America, and uh, and that's never explained, like. Where does Captain America come from? I guess he finds the place as easy as as Bucky did. I guess maybe this place is it. Maybe it's the bad side of town, and it's a there are you know, rumored to to be a Nazi spy location here or something. So yeah, I mean he knocks on the door and and, you yeah. know, and it's like who's there? Knock knock. Who's there? I mean literally says knock knock. Who's there on the panel? <laughs> He's like it's me, you sap. I was waiting for somebody to say, it's me, you sap who. <laughs> some some good action. I like there's a there's a panel with uh, Cap, like, you know, winding, winding up this swing. And the drawing of the guy that he's punching is just like, <laughs> it just looks like he's sending him straight to the moon, you know. Oh, yeah. Stiff uh, as a board. Boom. Yeah. He killed him. He killed him with one shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good panel, though. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a good swing. Um, I love... Uh, Red Skull, you know, he's, he takes the, the opportunity to to flee, and I love his line. He says, uh, so they think they're winning, do they? I'll be back with more murder. Right. Yeah, it's the famous <laughs> line from The Terminator. You remember everybody, <laughs> I'll be right? Back. Yeah, that was just, yeah, they, they cut that line in uh, Terminator. <laughs> you know, honestly, if they did, if, he, if they said that, uh, it would have been appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back with more murder. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's a great line. Like he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna kill all of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and they don't chase after the skull. They just decide, well, it's too late to chase him now. Let's go back to camp. <laughs> now it is legitimately getting past Bucky's bedtime. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And they're almost late for formation, which is a no-no. They're almost a wall. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we have this bit on the uh, the airfield. That uh, Bucky and Cap are just kind of, you know, they, they always tend to just happen to be in the right place at the right, at the right time. Um, <laughs> they're doing this air test with this. I don't know. I, I think this this Maxon guy, he's the Tony Stark of, of the day. He's a weapons supplier or at least a supplier of of uh, aircraft. Yeah, I, I thought of it very much like um, I was re- recently rewatching the first Sam Raimi Spider Man with Tommy McGuire, and mm. you know they the general was coming in to see the flight. You know, he's like, I've seen the glider, right? Or, right. Um, and then yeah. what, what was the, the other corporation that was doing a, a flight test and yeah, similar type of things, wartime. 
here's a new plane. We're going to take take a look. And yeah, I, I did have uh, uh, thoughts of Tony Stark from the first Iron Man as well when he's there demonstrating the Jericho missile, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and then this uh, the plane crashes. They don't, you know, we'll find out later. Not the particulars of how this happens, but ultimately we'll find out who's responsible for it. Yeah, it almost seems like a subplot, right? Yeah, that doesn't really go anywhere. But um, I know I, I like how upset it makes Steve Rogers. You know, Maxon, he's he's more concerned about the plane that goes down and not the the you know <laughs> pilots that were in the plane. So yeah, that's consistent with what we see from Cap throughout his years. So yeah, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we've got the, the major, or sorry, this is the general. Yeah, general, this is the general. General manor. Yeah. I was yeah, hoping he... for general mortars. <laughs> I actually think uh, we, we cut to a scene of the movie Seven. What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. I, yeah, I thought about that too. I think it's badass that the Red Skull sends the general a Red Skull uh mask with a letter that says you know this is your last night on earth like that is that is a just a great move uh, not only that but it's on red skull stationary so that <laughs> yeah yeah that's badass <laughs> and uh, he doesn't take it seriously so he tosses it in the fire okay so they've already had a major die mm-hmm. so uh, a major was already threatened from the Red Skull, and they know it's an urban legend and all that, but they've literally had somebody die, likely in his command, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then and then he gets, you know, and I don't, I mean, it seems like they're not ever aware of what Captain America's doing, but... <laughs> no. But, but okay, but, you know, Cap's actually had run-ins with this guy. You know, you should be on high alert. Like, I'm getting a mysterious box with a warning from somebody named the Red Skull, and it's like, oh, what a what a flimsy joke at that! Like, it's not even yeah. a good joke, and he and he throws it into the fire, the the stationary, and it's like, and he's laughing, ha ha! Like, I mean, it's a wonder we won World War II <laughs> at all, you know, with generals like this, you know. <laughs> but guess, you know, guess who's there? It wasn't a joke after all. Skull's there, and he's he's choking guys out again. You know? Now, did he? Is he wearing? the skull that he sent the general or is he wearing his own? And so is there now another skull here still? That actually might explain something here in a minute. Well, next time. Yeah. But I assume that was a separate skull. I think he's got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. I, I kind of do too. Um, I like the idea that he shows up without it and he puts it on. Like once he's <laughs> snuck into the house, he takes the one that he's, you know, sent ahead. He's got the one. Yeah, sent ahead. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's got the one. He's got to keep putting it on and off. Oh, you know, like yeah. You know, I need this back. No, I mean that was my my impression was he has multiple and he's just sending them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, he he crosses another name off his list basically. All right, and then he's caught by the general's wife, and she like, I really like her. She gets a panel where she says, "You red devil, you'll pay for this." And she looks like a bruiser in that the way she's drawn there. She looks like she is going to take him down. Um unfortunately, she doesn't, but it, well, it's just uh, uh, yeah, I mean she she I mean being a general's wife is not an easy thing. So, it's pretty, <laughs> you know, I I'm sure she's she was a strong woman and all that. And she does. She grabs the gun hands up. 
Mm-hmm. I have issues with this lady though. She had Skull dead to rights. Sure. She had she had the beat on him. He was like surprised. Ex- you know, exclamation points, question yeah. marks. He was he was and then she's like, Oh dear, my husband. And she becomes a, you know, <laughs> yeah. incapable woman and you know, uh all and drops the gun. She hugs her husband. Meanwhile, and I love this bit. Charles, speak to me. Charles is not speaking to anybody. <laughs> I mean, this skull it talks some smack. Yeah, yeah. That's when she gets up and starts threatening him. But hey, guess what, lady? You had a lot more um, uh, firepower, literally, behind that threat when you had the gun pointed on him. <laughs> it drove me nuts. And then, of course, he gets in her face and he's like, "No, you're America's going to pay." Yeah, how about you? I'm rubber your glue, yeah. you know, and all that. And she's like, "Don't look at me that way." And he's like, "Ha." You know, you're just a woman. You know, you're not important. And he smacks right. her. You know, he's a you know he's a real nice guy there, Skull. Oh yeah, he does. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, he does. Either throws her down or smacks her. I'm not sure. You're right. It could be interpreted as as a like he's just throwing her out of the way. But the way the way I looked at it is the you know the, there's like a swooshing. Yeah, uh, motion with his hand, and he's got the open hand. I just figured he slapped her, and she's going. She falls into a table. It, but he's saying because she's not important enough to waste his uh, death stare on. Well, we'll find out. Well, we already did find out. The reason that is is he probably only has so many syringes, <laughs> right? Um, it's not. It's not actual real death stare after all. So, but for some reason, Cap's there again. Like he just is there. Yeah, yeah. He he's uh, like I said, like. Just a few minutes too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like the the way that these two are drawn fighting. Just a lot of like motion in in their you know the way like Cap's legs are uh, drawn and then the way he's swinging around. With, uh, you can tell his body is twisting. Um, I don't know. I just really like the the. It's not. It's it's not like a static shot. It's like yeah. It, it, it's kinetic. And you see Skull flying. Now, that, that punch in particular is better than the one you mentioned earlier. I think yeah. they're both really good. Yeah. And I, and I remember Simon talking about, and I know he did some of the layouts, and I know, you know Kirby's credited as art, but I think they, they both worked on a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Um, and, and I know Simon in particular talked about doing the drawings for the boxing matches he used to cover for the newspaper. Oh, right. And, and that, I mean, that yeah. makes me think of something like that. And, we all, and, of course, Kirby's no slouch himself, so... Yeah, um, I, well, I really like that. But oh, go ahead. I think I mentioned this uh, last time. I don't see any Kirby in any of these pages. You know, maybe in layouts, but not until you know you get to the '60s. That's what that is the style that I know Kirby from. So I just see all this stuff, and I, you know, I feel like this must all be mostly be Simon. But I mean, I, yeah. I know that's like 20 years. From between now and and the '60s, you know, uh, Kirby stuff. So a lot can change in in a artist's you know form right. and, and that sort of stuff. So I'm sure there is a lot of Kirby in these pages. I just can't see it because I'm I'm trained to think of Kirby as one particular style. I guess I know they said that they did try to mimic each other's style. Sure, because yeah, because yeah. they were just putting product out you know and sometimes they even have other artists come in and they all try to um, yeah. copy the, each other yeah. and as you state stated artists evolve over time i think like john romita jr's um mm. like 90s and early 2000s stuff is like very stylistic 
mm-hmm. and it looks nothing like his stuff from like the late eighties. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just uh, you know it's it's yeah it's just probably evolved over time. But you're right. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I would never look at this and go, "Oh yeah, Kirby drew this." I would have thought Simon drew it all. Right. Based on like the the one you know the one drawing of Captain America that I know without a shadow of a doubt that that Simon drew the you know it, it's the one you know you can look up a picture of Joe Simon and you'll see his drawing of Captain America and his version of Captain America is very lanky yes um, and that's how in all these pages Captain America is just that body type so uh, so yeah I mean the Red Skull kind of gets the drop on on uh, Cap here with a chair, and Cap is legitimately out for... Um, a while. I mean, yeah, at least a full page. And uh, I thought he was playing possum, you know, until Bucky swings in to, to save him because he's about to get the death stare. Cap kind of wakes up and is like, I must have been hit by a gunboat. Yeah. It's like, you got hit with a chair, dude. <laughs> You're a super soldier. <laughs> Have you watched wrestling? That is like, <laughs> right. hitting, hit by Mac, like hitting by with a Mac truck, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. See, it's funny because I don't think Skull has any powers other than his death touch no. or th- death stare. But he even, uh, Cap even makes reference that he, he took one of his blows and he got back up and he was kind of amazed by it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah. then he gets hit with that chair and it was like, man, I really got, you know, got knocked down. I wonder if that skull offered a little bit of cushion for him. Yeah, that could be. Like a helmet. Yeah. Cap gets in, you know, the final punch and it uh, that mask definitely shatters. So I don't know what it's made of. I don't know, but that's another great moment because it really shows the power of Cap. And yeah. it's like he's not holding back now and he just wallops him and i really do i mean even though that other punch was pretty good um this is an uppercut and it just knocks him knocks him off his feet and he and he breaks the skull and i think that's really i mean it's just really well done and of course it's old man maxon like you said yeah which which genuinely was a surprise first time reading this because i expected it to be johan schmidt um i had never heard of uh george maxon so uh this was a genuine uh, surprise for me I hadn't heard of the story before that that Schmidt wasn't around until later, and mm-hmm. I think they what they do is they retcon that uh, yeah. Maxon was actually working for right. the skull right. as like a pat, not really a patsy, but like uh, you know, go be my face over in America yeah. type thing. Yeah, um, maybe we'll get into that in further issues, but I we'll see. <laughs> I've got a, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then they they figure out this plan. You know, Cap just kind of puts it together, really. The, the the whole Death Stare concept was really just Maxon injecting people with this syringe, with this poison, so that they think they're being hypnotized. And it, if you're killing someone, why does it matter what they perceive you to be in their last moments? You know, that part seems it's not to anyone's for anyone's benefit. Right, it's not like somebody's watching them and it's like a right. trick or it's on camera. The only thing I could think of, and I'm going to try and give them a little uh, no prize type thing, is that you know maybe it's like the the fear that happens because of the chemicals, you know, really shows on their face after post death, and they're like, man, they scared them to death. You know, that, that could be, yeah. Choking somebody out and their eyes bugging out probably gets the same effect across as well. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think they don't want to. You know, they want the evidence of like, oh, he was clearly strangled. Well, that's not as spooky as somebody like 
just staring at you. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's it's for us, the reader, because we're not <laughs> seeing the fact that they're being injected three times, you know, throughout right. the story until the, the, the last. And I love that Bucky murders Maxon and then says, oh, oh, he rolled over on it and he killed himself. It was, it was suicide, <laughs> strictly suicide. Right. Right, Cap? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you uh, read it the same way I did, because, you know, that is totally... Now, knowing the the Ed Brubaker version of Bucky and that he's he's the Winter Soldier, you know, he was, you know, the version of Bucky that you see in these pages where he's a young boy and he's just this plucky little sidekick. Like, that's the propaganda version, as Ed Brubaker kind of explains. Like, in reality, he was like, you know, a teenager and he was a stone cold killer and he was like the one having to do the dirty work so that Captain America could kind of have the be the the bright shining uh, hero but then even the panel where red skull has his final moments it, like bucky is on top of him with his almost looks like he's pinning him down so it looks like he's poised to 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 have uh, injected him yeah, but he's like the fool. He rolled over on the hypo, and he's like, "Oh!" But he's literally like he's almost choking. <laughs> it looks like he's pushing him onto <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and I do. I love that. I love like we said about like it totally works. It, yeah, it, it works with the what we know now of, yeah, of you Bucky. Sh- you squint and it fits right in. You know, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and then I love I love how they just call the cops. You know, <laughs> well, like right before that, you know, Bucky says, "You saw it all. Why didn't you stop him from killing himself?" Cap says, "I'm not talking, Bucky." Yeah, it's like, that's it's a like, weird. Like, that's a weird panel. I, it, he's like, "Hey, look, I didn't see a thing." Yeah, <laughs> that's and, what and, he's saying. Yeah, and Cap, you know, completely fabricates this the suicide business <laughs> to the cops or the, to the FBI. So, yeah, it's it's a weird uh, way to have your hero, you know, to have your story end. And I love that Maxon just keeps like serious incriminating evidence about his uh, <laughs> spying and his uh, his uh, traitorous uh, yeah. ways to, to the country. He's literally got a letter from the Fuhrer about how he's going to be like the minister of the of of the American America. Yeah, yeah, as his reward. Like, yeah, dude, put the, don't carry that with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that it ends with, and so ends the bloody career of George Maxson, alias the Red Skull. <laughs> yeah. And he's done. We'll never see him again. That's right. It's a one and done villain. In Tales of Suspense, number 65, from February of 1965, they, they retell this story. So it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a Captain America story. And they're like, hey, let's, I think it might be like when the Red Skull came back. Um, okay. Into the modern, at the time, into the modern era. And so they retell his origin story, except this time the story is retold by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee with no mention of Joe Simon. Um, and they do, they they change the story a little bit. And this time the Red Skull is wearing a green jumpsuit, which that might be probably where I got that, you know, in my head. The toy was like that for a while too. Okay. And it is a very sanitized version. There's less killing. Um, there is no, like, the Red Skull is not murdering these generals and majors. You know, it's it, one of them he scares and, and knocks out with, like, a sleeping gas. 
That's the uh, Comics Code Authority, uh, it, everyone. It kind of is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to share a link in the show notes, but you can check out uh, – I found this website. It's called Coke and Comics, and it goes through like – the differences, the the side by side comparisons of so many of these panels, and just how they they change the artwork, you know, it com- completely. So it's worth taking a look at and seeing the differences. But yeah, that's cool. Um, the only other thing I wanted to add here is that time. This is Timely's first recurring villain, though they it didn't seem like they knew that at the time or planned for it, you know killing him off at the end of the story. Um, but it made me wonder who have, who like are some of the other villains in comics at this time. So this is cover date was like March of 1941. I think it was, yeah. may have actually come out in like December of 1940, but I looked up like original comic book villains and I just looked at DC and Marvel were timely and, and national at around 1940, 1941 around the same time, um, DC had already introduced uh, Hugo Strange, Doctor Savannah over in the Marvel uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Lex Luthor, uh, the Joker, Catwoman, uh, Tony Zuko, who probably was used to as the guy who murdered uh, Robin's parents, um, Clayface, the first version of Clayface, uh, Scarecrow, and Ares over in Wonder Woman. Number one, they have they had all made their de- debut before Timely introduced the the Red Skull. So, and wow. those are were all and they they introduced way more villains than that. But these are the ones that stuck around, just like Red Skull. So it's just interesting, like the difference, you know, just the and there's not like another real notable villain for Marvel until like the mid fifties, I think. So I don't think we're going to have a ton of villains to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I didn't know Hugo strange was, goes that far back. Yeah. I think he's uh real early on. Wow. With, uh, uh, I think he's like the first recurring Batman villain. Makes sense though. Cause he is like kind of that evil scientist. Type, yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah. That was a big trope back then. So interesting. Yeah. Well, what do you say we get into, um, the next case where we get our recurring villain in Marvel, uh, the return of the Red Skull, case number one, the return of the Red Skull from Captain America Comics number three, May 1941, cover date. Let's just get into the story. Somehow, the Red Skull return. <laughs> so what did you think of the uh, episode or the issue? <laughs> no, no. <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else to it. You just came back. <laughs> no. All right, well, we begin the story with a prologue, or if you will, maybe even an epilogue from our previous story that we just discussed in Captain America number one. Uh, A very alone and left for dead body of the Red Skull begins to regain consciousness, noting that the authorities were fools for thinking he couldn't survive his own medicine, quote unquote, as he puts it. He declares revenge, revenge, revenge on the United States, revenge on Captain America. He will enact this revenge with his greatest discovery. The touch of death. We cut to a military conference, and a bunch of soldiers are eagerly anticipating whatever is being discussed in this military conference. There's some secret new rumors of a power drill. I don't know if it's Black and Decker. I don't know if it's like one of the, somebody else, but everybody wants a power drill. 
Captain America or Steve Rogers, if you will, because he's Private Rogers, is not so caring of such luxuries, and he's more concerned about spies. But the secret plans for this new power drill are entrusted to a major who pretty much fails to secure it in his safe once he gets home uh, before the Red Skull strikes. A pretty decent fight ensues with the Major and the Skull, but this is exactly what the Red Skull wanted. Because if you touch the Red Skull, you die. And the Major does just that. The Skull secures the secret plans, unaware of that it was even for a power drill. He had It's like he wanted these plans not knowing what they were. But once he discovers what they are, he's very excited. Uh, him and his pal Adolf, which he literally says his, just they're on a first-name basis, basically. Um, it's going to help them conquer the United States of America. And, of course, Captain America being a little too late as normal, this uh, scuffle drew the attention of Bucky and, and Private Rogers, who find the body of the Major, and determined that this must have been foreign spies. Uh, not only that, but they discover a box with another red skull in it. They know the skull is back alive, so this is a job for Captain America and Bucky. Cap and Bucky go out on, and search for the Red Skull, and they walk literally into an ambush down an alley of a bunch of, I would say, some newly recruited thugs uh, for, for from the Red Skull. They're a bunch of German-accented goons. A ruckus ensues, and Cap and Bucky making a quick work of the Ratsies. Uh, the Nazi spies quickly confirm that the Red Skull is behind the attack, and he has the secret plans. Cap takes out the trash, literally, and heads off to find the Red Skull. All this Red Skull stuff is getting the attention of the media, and this delights the Red Skull to no end. He excitedly laughs that, you know, with his new new power drill and his new power, everybody will shake with fear, including Hitler himself. And we get a glimpse of this masterpiece that, that's going to cause everybody to shake in fear, and it, it's in a, an abandoned subway, and it's this long power drill that bursts through the, the subway um, entrance. To quote the story itself, in a short while, the incredible American invention in the Red Skull's hands wrecks havoc in the city, crushing great buildings, killing thousands of people. And then we get a glimpse of this massive amount of destruction this drill has caused as it heads towards Brooklyn and specifically Ebbets Field. The Skull is determined to kill everyone in the stadium when suddenly the crowd goes wild for the arrival of Captain America and his faithful sidekick. Cap and Bucky jump onto the drill and make their way to the cockpit. Um, the Skull orders his men to shoot shoot him and kill him till they die from it. Cap and Bucky take fire, but the cavalry arrives in the form of heavily armed police riot squad who just begin firing at the, at the train. Uh, they see the Cap and Bucky on there, but they just keep firing. But the addition of these uh, extra forces and Cap be closing in, this causes the Skull to uh, retreat with his drill and all. We now return you to a completely different episode of Captain America already in progress. Two thugs named Duffer and Midge, and I'm sure is short for Midget, are given Cap and Bucky costumes for some kind of stolen identity scheme where a bunch of saps at Coney Island will pay to meet Cap and Bucky. They are quickly exposed by two uniformed soldiers who easily defeat them. Licking their wounds back in their dressing room, they are visited by the Red Skull and his Ratsies, who believe the fakes are the real deal. Their ringleader dies after trying to punch the Red Skull, and the fakes are easily captured. Despite their murdering of the English language, the Red Skull does not believe their claims of being imposters. Cap and Bucky are now back on the job looking for the drill while the Skull murders these two fakes via first-class hanging. He literally sends them to the gallows. With Cap and Bucky dead, the Skull believes nothing can stop him. 
Suddenly, the ghosts of Captain Bucky appear for revenge, and a scuffle ensues. A tornado hits the Nazi nests. All are defeated save the Red Skull, who dares Bucky to hit him, and he does gladly. But the touch of death fails to stop Bucky, for he and Cap knew the secret of the touch of death, electric wiring, and they know the countermeasure, insulated gloves. Well, your gloves won't stop this, says the skull as he hits Bucky with a chair and flees to the power drill where he waits for the perfect moment to throw a bomb at Cap and Bucky. Cap catches the bomb and tosses it back at Skull, detonating and destroying the drill, presumably killing the Skull with it. A bruised Steve Rogers returns to base where he's threatened with guard duty as the story ends. So, yeah, uh, we get the return of the Red Skull. And uh, apparently he he must have had uh, enough exposure to his, his medicine, if, if you will, that it, it allowed him to survive. <laughs> but... So you're telling me the FBI just left him there? That is 100% what I'm telling you. <laughs> that, okay. that was literally... Okay. Moving on. So I have a, there was a lot to pick apart there, right? Yeah. So he wakes up and he's alone. So yeah. we know that the G-men were there with his body. Yeah. You know, at the end of the episode when Cap called him in. No coroner, no police tape, no investigation. He just left him there. And, then, uh, and he's also wearing a skull mask. Where the hell did he right. get the skull? Yeah. Now, I think we, last, you know, last case number, I'd like to think that he used the skull that um, that he sent the mate, the general, and he put right. that one back on. So he's yeah. like, that's why he always has to have a spare. Yeah. At first, I was like, where the hell did he get the skull from? But that, I actually thought, I'm like, well, although it does show him laying there with it on as he regains right. consciousness. So I'm giving him a mulligan or, you know, or I'm giving him some a wide berth here, you know, to <laughs> <laughs> yeah to justify that. But I cannot believe <laughs> that they just left this Nazi spy who was going to take over all of America and is reporting to Hitler himself just alone. Yeah. Looking at this first page as a cover, it's so striking having having uh, the skull like gloat over a pair of uh, hanging, you know, corpses, basically. I kind of wish they hadn't had the real Captain America and Bucky sneaking up behind the Red Skull. I think it would work better if... It's it's more shocking to think, oh, the Red Skull does it. He, you know, he, he gets his revenge on Captain Bucky, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, I have to, I have to read what happens next. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and what's great about... I mean, it is a great, like, quote-unquote cover... I like the detail where like he's got like a ball and chain on their feet, so really emphasize. I mean, they, this is graphic. It, <laughs> I mean, they're not shying dark. away from it. Yeah, but you're right. It would have been much better if if it was just the fakes and the skull. And 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 I honestly, I didn't know if these two guys were dead. You know, I kind of thought, oh, Cap and Bucky will get there in time. They'll rescue them. That these guys are choking to death, but not dead. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, I mean, obviously, we'll. I mean, you already covered it. Like these guys are dead. Yeah, so. they're dead, dead. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's pretty shocking the way it goes down. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a different time in comics. <laughs> right. <laughs> they they it's, didn't shy away from murder. Yeah. No, no. Things will change in the I think mid to late fifties and and heading into the sixties. And the comics are very sanitized at that point. But it's weird to then think, to see how dark or gruesome or violent that some of these 40s comics were. You don't think yeah. of that time period as being 
I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't think of comics for kids being this yeah. – uh, dealing with this sort of stuff but yeah i was literally just gonna say that think about this this is children's entertainment yeah. you know <laughs> i mean that's what it was thought of as yeah i mean there was a world war going on at the time so they weren't trying to shy away from stuff i guess <laughs> sure yeah so i did have to laugh as you know we're these these generals are you know talking about this this power drill and the major is <laughs> like hey tell your wife tell your wife i said hi sir <laughs> it's yeah. like hey whoa settle down chief <laughs> Talk about my talk about my wife like that. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know what? I, this major though, it's uh, it's his name is Major Douglas. I didn't I didn't cover mm. that in the in the um in the recap, but I really like that he puts up a pretty decent fight against the skull. Like, he does, yeah. He's a he's a younger man than the other two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, or even the generals we see. Although he's still got gray hair. Yeah, I mean, he still looks old. <laughs> yeah, he's still old, but I mean, he's yeah. like a you know, he's he he's looks spry. like old guys he, you don't. This, yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a, a brawler. Yeah, he's old man strong. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got that old man strength. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, 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 he <laughs> think you can take on your old man? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he he does wallop uh, the best he can the, yeah. the skull, but it's it, his new that's, power, this death touch. I know that's his undoing. Yeah, if, if anybody touches him, he dies. And so, yeah, he's like, yeah, hit me. Go ahead. <laughs> and and again, Cap and Bucky are there. The the Cap and Bucky are the Angela Lansbury. What was that show? Jessica Fletcher of, yeah. <laughs> of the army. Like, they're always showing up right as uh, someone is, is, has been killed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he's like, he's like, they're on the prowl and they're on the lookout, but they're always like asleep at the wheel until after something happens. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's an Avenger and not a preventer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I do like, too, that the Skull had literally no idea what these plans were. He just knew they, they were secret plans. Yeah, yeah, that's Cause, cool. Cause once he reads them, he's like, oh, a drill, this will be great. <laughs> <laughs> that took me by surprise. I'm like, a drill? Like, what? what is so special about a drill? We'll get to what's special about this drill. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and the thing that killed me about that, too, is like I, I was, you know, when I was first thinking about it, I'm like, I was literally thinking of a power drill because yeah. I was like, who cares about that? But I'm like, <laughs> of course, it meant to be like a like a subterranean, like right drill drill. Like, yeah, yeah. there's the I guess it's the is it the first time we see. Yeah. First time we really see Captain America in the story proper. When he and Bucky just had just gotten suited up, is a mm-hmm. fantastic drawing of of Cap. He's just just standing still, but he's got this I don't know this posture that I haven't seen. He's all legs, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's just the muscle tone is really good. Um, it, it's a good drawing of Captain America. Yeah, there's some good stuff in these issues for sure. Yeah, um, I like I like some of the fights too, like the fights that he has shortly after with the um, with the goons. Yeah, it's it's a good panel of of action. Yeah, yeah, and the the following page too. Uh, there's there's a, a little bit where he does where he's like, I'm not playing I'm not playing piggyback today, <laughs> and you could tell like the guy was trying to jump on his back and he bent over it while another guy's diving under his legs, and even though it's kind of a weird panel, you could tell what what happened you know yeah. and and it's i, I really kind of like all of that it's it, it is a big scuffle but and bodies are flying everywhere but one of the best to me is um i think it's 
pan, it's page five, panel number two. It's mm. Cap whacking yeah. a guy in the face with a shield, and it just says bong. Yeah. But it's a great little panel, and and you really see him use the shield, like other than just blocking bullets. So I thought it was cool. Yeah. But the <laughs> you know they 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 stop these Nazis, and all he does is go you know who do you work for and he the guy immediately gives everything up like <laughs> these are not the hydra agents of of you know no. the first avenger where who you know they they kill themselves like he starts singing like a you know he like literally says don't hit me anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah skull skull needs a better class of uh henchman yeah. i think yeah uh, i do like too that when when after this you know he, he cap throws like you said, he literally throws him in the trash, and I'm like, is this the inspiration for Spider-Man No More cover, where <laughs> Cap and Bucky are walking away while something's in the yeah. hanging out of the trash? <laughs> kind of looks like it. Yeah, <laughs> a very very early version, if you will. <laughs> um, I did like too that I, I do like this panel. It reminds me a little bit of the panel that I mentioned last time, where um, we see what the general seeing, where all he sees all the skull faces. Oh, and sure, yeah. Instead, it's the skulls face just the skulls like head breaking through a bunch of um headlines mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. to show that like there's a media blitz you know kind of like if it was a movie you'd see the spinning bit of like the the newspaper when then you know then we get a bunch of headlines and articles you know yeah you know it kind of reminds me of that the the panel directly underneath that one where red skull is basically saying how he's going to rip this nation wide open and I'll even make Hitler shake, and then it goes into like uh, maniacal laughing. But that drawing of Red Skull is gorgeous. Like yeah. that, I don't know that they're just nailing the Red Skull in these in these stories. Um, and and the Red Skull from here on out has green hands. They don't say that he's wearing gloves, um, but I noticed it, and and I'm, I'm a little curious about that. But I like it. I do like that this this panel as well because it made me think of could this easily have been perhaps one of the inspirations to get the Red Skull away from Nazis and more into Hydra for the mm-hmm. for Captain America First Avenger movie where he was like now he's got a power that you know he's like well now Hitler's gonna fear me you know like I'm gonna take over everything right I think the idea is that Red Skull is all is he's an opportunist he was always gonna take whatever um whatever chance he can to rise to power basically and, yeah yeah he can yeah and, and and probably betray whoever right you know, yeah I do think he's a faithful Nazi you know he truly does like hold those values but he doesn't necessarily see Hitler as being the man who should be in charge he wants that for himself so but uh yeah then we see what this power drill is and it's this uh, <laughs> it's this drill train snake <laughs> that i just fell in love with i swear to goodness i didn't know what i was looking at at first <laughs> yeah i was like i thought i was like what it, this is this like the subway tunnel like I just didn't know, oh, and, then, sure. I, it, yeah, and yeah. then I realized that I'm like, is he sending the drill through this tunnel? And I'm like, no, that is the drill. Like mm-hmm. it's enormous. No uh, explanation for why it's a giant drill on the front of a. Well, essentially, it's a train, but it it moves under its own power. It doesn't, you know, have to go on tracks. So it is more like a snake. Yeah, uh, it's weird, but I I dig it. 
before before it digs itself out of the ground, uh, a couple guys on the street are talking about it, and one of them has got to be Dick Tracy. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, I was not prepared for it to just casually mention that you know thousands of people have been killed by this thing once it's because uh, there's a panel of uh, it's a little abstract, you know, of this this train just plowing through the city. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, lots of buildings crushing, coming down. Yeah, yeah. I I was I I didn't uh, you know again we get back to the whole thing of like the forties and all that where it's like all this killing and death and it's same with Human Torch and and uh, Namor when Namor's like yeah. taking down trains and stuff. I'm like you know lots of people had to have died, mm-hmm. and I mean they're not shying away from Hitler. I'm mean, Hitler, of yeah. course Hitler, but um, <laughs> the Red Skull being a villain, I mean, right? He is you know he's killing people. I like this panel though. It's mm-hmm. it shows the destruction. You 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 don't look at that and go, well, it's, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty very, good. It's almost like an abstract rendering of of like of Red Skull's vision of what he plans to do. You know, it, yeah. it's it's very surreal. It's beautiful, but there's something I don't know. It even says like the destructive power drill tears its way across the city, sparing nothing in its path. Yeah, and it just yeah. And if, you know, and that's when the cops get involved. <laughs> Red Skull is continuing his little rampage, and like you mentioned in the summary, like he takes it to Ebbets Field, where Captain America and Bucky. I'm sure they they weren't just there and happened to be you know there. I, I'm sure this is them uh, following the path of destruction and and trying to stop it here at at the ballpark. I believe so. Yeah. And and I like when they jump onto the train, and it re- very much reminds me of what we'll see many many times in in the future of Cap and Bucky riding a missile. You know, mm. I was thinking of the Bucky meets his fate in the first Avenger on a train. You know, with Captain. Oh America. yeah. So I didn't think about that. Yeah, I was I was going I was staying with the comics, and yeah, I'm like yeah, I'm like. I'm sure this will never this will work out every single time they try this maneuver. <laughs> but the thing is with this whole thing, like so, you know, we talk I you know, I talked about in the summary, um, the cops show up and he's like, Hey, there's a couple of guys on that contraption. Don't bother with them. Blast <laughs> away at the corkscrew with wheels. So what do you mean, like, do they think that Cap and Bucky are, are villains, but they're like, don't worry, we're not gonna shoot at them? At the time there was already some Nazis shooting at Cap and Buck, so are they talking about that? Or are they just like we don't care, shoot them all, you know? Or <laughs> don't worry about the humans. Let's just shoot the um, the drill because that you know they got to stop that thing. That's right. what they're more concerned about. It's really weird. I, I I'm unclear as to what the status of Captain America and Bucky is currently because they don't seem to be regarded as a, a function a functioning like entity of the government. Like it seems like these two are just doing all this on their own. Um, I think I'm so used to Captain America as being a sanctioned, you know, government agent, essentially. Yeah, it's like the soldier, like they, uh, the army has no idea. Yeah. That there's a, you know, that Captain America's within their ranks, you know. Right. It's just crazy. I mean, they know of him and they, they're, you know, some people are, seem excited when he's there, but it's not, you know, he doesn't. Yeah, the cops will shoot at him, at them, you know, just as, you know, because they're in the way. So Right, right. But then later they, like, they have a conversation and it's like, oh, right, you know, uh, we scared them off. <laughs> you yeah. know, 
Yeah. And they're like, and they're cool with each other. So, mm. but I, I think this story takes a really funny turn where it's yeah. like, Cap says like, all right, we got, we got to go back to base. Cause like, for whatever reason, just the police, you know, after all killing, knocking buildings down and killing all these people, um, a few machine guns show up and suddenly this drill can't handle it and they, and they <laughs> run away. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, causes Cap to go, well, let's go regroup basically. And let's go back to the camp. Let's run back to base. Weren't they just in New York City and now they're like in a desert seemingly with yeah. mountains? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Right. I don't know what part of upstate New York they were in yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> desert. There's no desert there. Um, and and Camp is Camp Lehigh is in New Jersey anyways, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But it's so weird because it's like it literally cuts to like another mission, like another storyline. Yeah, yeah. This this should have been its own story, I, I do think. I mean, I see where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. They want to do the fake out and all that, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's like we weren't introduced to these guys early on. Um, right. At first, I thought this were the Red Skull's men. I did too. Like, I totally thought this was a scheme of the Red Skull. Yeah, I thought it was the net, but then I'm like, but these guys are talking like typical idiot gangsters from of you know the era and not yeah. with the german accent of skulls men so i'm like what the hell's going on here um i do like though that you could tell that these guys are evil because they're smoking including bucky <laughs> yeah which i it reminds me of like what was it like roger rabbit when the baby was like she really mm. an adult and he's smoking a cigar you know between right. takes you know <laughs> it's just yeah. that stupid you know because steve rogers has been smoking a pipe throughout all these issues, but these guys smoke cigarettes. They're yeah, you know, they're uh, evil. Less, you can uh, tell they're bad. Yeah. yeah, less refined, I guess. Yeah, yeah. A pipe is dignified, <laughs> but, but like their scheme is silly too. Like they're just gonna get people to spend a dime to go like get their picture taken with yeah. Captain America and Bucky at Coney Island. You know, step right up, folks. All that stuff, dime, ten cents. You know, and then people are like, oh, I'll take two. Here's my money, and they're just standing there. But even too, like when people come up, they're like. They like they don't hear that how like uneducated they sound, <laughs> but okay. So they said two khaki clad figures make their way up, right? And they pay for their t- two tickets, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, right, you know, here's some army guys going to feel, you know, see some real American muscle type thing or whatever." I just assumed that that was Cap and Bucky, right? Or but oh yeah, it is totally it? is. Oh, it is okay. Cause, I, I mean, yeah, because even um, there's a blue. Caption box that says Bucky has his turn too. Well, that's and, right, but I, you could also read it as yeah, the fake Bucky the gets fake his Bucky. turn. But but because right. of course, I mean, let, I mean, a couple giveaways here is even though Bucky, as we see him later in life, has brown hair, right? Bucky, when he's in his civilian, well, civilian, his military attire, or not in his Bucky uniform, he looks like Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, and and so this guy, you know, obviously, it looks just like the Bucky we know, and he's going after the midge, if you will. And of course I assumed I got real confused reading it. Cause at first I'm like, this is cap and Bucky for sure. <laughs> but then I'm like, so cap and Bucky were out looking for this drill. And then all of a sudden just went to Coney Island to <laughs> face him, to buy tickets to see an imposter while in uniform. I'm like, what the hell's right. going on here? You know, like I do like the fight, you know, that Bucky takes on midge. Who's got a gun and he's like, Oh, you're a trigger man, huh? And and he just 
you know, socks him one. And, and the fact yeah. that like all the kids see what's going on and they know that like, there's no way a couple soldiers would take down right the mighty Captain America and Bucky with like two hits. So they're like, this has got to be an imposter and everybody wants their money back. Yeah. <laughs> like you cheat, you cheat. <laughs> it's hilarious. You know? yeah. And they're like, oh, it's just a joke. We we're just fooling you. And again, this would have made a good a good enough uh, prose story in an issue, or one you know maybe slightly shorter story. But it, it I think it deserved its own. Didn't need to be a, a tag along plot in a Red Skull story. Yeah, and and uh, sorry, um, you are one hundred percent correct. Like it, it, I forgot, it spells it right out later. Well, how was I supposed to know the Cap America was the real McCoy? Like the guy who showed up, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And so that. Made me wonder: Does the guy know that he fought the real Captain America? Now, the I mean, they didn't know his name is Private Steve Rogers, but right, uh, they probably could have figured it out pretty easily. Yeah, I think they, I think they know. I think they, I think they figured it out pretty quick, especially yeah. after taking taking a hit from him. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's funny. So, so then you know, like nobody recognizes that these buffoons are Captain America and, and Bucky. Like they even try to say to the you know skull like oh the, well, first off the ringleader what a moron this guy is he's trying to charge 10 cents to like he's still he's still up on the scheme when when red skull comes into their hideout <laughs> yeah like so red skull red skull comes in thinks he's found the real captain america and bucky and this shyster who tried to do this scam and got caught thinks he sees another sucker with a guy with a red skull <laughs> on his face and a giant nazi symbol when right. you know we're you know months away from actual war Who's who's been on on the papers the and been yeah been going crazy about you know this guy driving a drill through the city so <laughs> so he's like silence pig and yeah and he's like oh a wise guy eh you know it's like it's <laughs> he, but he does he takes a swing at him and he dies yeah another touch of death I do like the thing you know the, like how they overpower and how they show that um, the fake Cap and Bucky are overpowered but again. They don't even think twice about the fact that they easily defeated him where before they couldn't. Yeah. And, and even they're like, we was only fooling, you know, like, honest mister, we ain't, you know, like, they still don't believe him. <laughs> I think right. it's funny. He's blinded by uh, revenge. But he's like, yeah, I'm not going to fall for your tricks, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes him to the gallows, laughing the whole time. But yeah, like, I, I, you know, we and like you said, like, we see Cap and Bucky, like, on their way, like, the real, and now they're back in uniform and they're on their way. You think they're going to save him. Yeah. And he says, die, die, ha, ha, ha. And then you see the shadow. Like, that's a real cool scene, too. Like, the panel. He's like, that finishes them. Now I can unleash all my horror on America. And you see the skull. And it's like, they don't really put a lot of detail into his eyes. So it's like these black sunken eyes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you see, like, the shadow of the hanging bodies behind him on the wall. And it's like, that's pretty badass. Yeah. No, it's good. It's effective, you know. But then, like I said, immediately they're like, what's that? <laughs> Who are you two? And one of the goons says, oh, it must be a ghost. Ghosts, they're ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, they've come back from the dead. Literally, they're standing underneath yeah. the bodies of the fakes. And they're like, oh, he, come, he came back. Hi, boys. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. And then it's just more fighting. But um, Bucky gets a great hit on Red Skull. I know. Like, yeah. Skull taunts him. He's like, I dare you. I double dog dare you. And he and he punches it, and it's a great hit. He puts his whole body into it, right? Levels him, and he's and he's of course he's shocked why he doesn't, you know, die. And it's and that's when we reveal, uh, I was insulated gloves the whole time, buddy. But they never explained how how they figured it out. They just no. knew, yeah. 
The Red Skull is deadly with a steel chair. <laughs> I noticed the, another chair, huh? Yeah. That's his go-to weapon. <laughs> he's got some branding, you know, he's got to stick yeah. to it. But he throws like a literally, uh, you know, an old-fashioned like bomb where it's like you have to what, light the fuse and it's yeah. a black circle, like Tom it's and Jerry, bomb. you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and he says, you want to play catch. I thought it was funny the way they spelled catch. They spelled it K-E-T-C-H. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. You want to play catch A, and I'm like- Oh, yeah. Like, I get what you're saying, like catch, like it, it sounds a little different than maybe like- yeah. I'm going to catch a ball. I don't know. I don't think it's a specific spelling for when you're doing an activity versus like it's it's a. <laughs> I think it's a New York thing. I, it's it's basically the same type of speech, you know, patterns that they'll give uh, uh, Ben Grimm. I got you. Yeah. You know, it's just that sort of like some slang terms from from the neighborhood. Yeah, and Cap is from uh, Brooklyn. You right, know, we know that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he catches it, throws it right back, and uh, it, it destroys that massive drill, and it about kills them. I know. I, I really like the rendering of the explosion is great with both of their bodies being like hurled away from it. And then the following, the next panel is Cap just carrying the seemingly lifeless body of Bucky. It's 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 kind of haunting. So yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> If you only know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> it actually reminds me of the image of when, when Robin died, Jason yeah. Todd. And, and yeah. That, yeah, it's very similar. It's mm-hmm. coming out of the smoke and all that. Yep. And then we get like just a little wrap up with the newspaper that Red Skull dies in the blast. And then all of a sudden it's a, a bruised cap with a bandage on his face <laughs> arriving. Sounds like late to... Uh, no, no, he's in formation, but the, the sergeant is an... Um, Thinks he's been fighting. Yeah, disciplining him. And he said, when I catch you, you're going to be on guard duty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's it yeah you know I'll, I'll just say this real quick I, I think it's like that's a prime example this is not the first time that we, we, he was almost late to formation they were giving him a hard yeah. time it's like why of all the ranks that they could have given Steve Rogers would they have made him the lowest man on the totem pole <laughs> I mean anything you know privates are nobody cares about privates they're, they're you know like as a captain as they did in the movie Captains can get away with anything, you know. <laughs> like, where the hell did the captain go? I don't know, <laughs> you know. But yeah, a private man. I mean, he's going to be on KP duty for forever because <laughs> they think he's, you know, he, he missed a formation or something, or yeah. he didn't, you know, he didn't field day the barracks or something, and uh, <laughs> you know, he's just he's a wall all the time. Like, yeah. I, I just it's it, it's silly that they gave him such a lowly rank in the military. Well, but he's also, he just became Captain America and is new to this. Like, he isn't a seasoned soldier, you know? Yeah. At the very least, I could have made him an officer. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just, just, you know, it's it's crazy. It just, uh, but it it is what it is. It's it's his, you know, Clark Kent type thing where like, oh, I can't let Lois see me. You know, know, it's... It's his uh, cross, you know. I can't let Aunt May find out I'm Spider Man, you know. <laughs> Wonder if they've ever done a panel or, or any, just a throwaway joke of like modern day Steve Rogers being like, you know, technically, I never made it past being a private, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> something like like Steve Rogers is a is you know doesn't hold the same rank of of captain, but he'd just be like, yeah, technically, I'm a private. He goes to the VA trying to get like his back pay, but it's only for like an E1, so he gets like hardly anything. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's going to make bank and it's like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
Skull's got to be dead for sure this time, right? Oh, absolutely. So our, our next story, just, you know, n- really nothing to talk about. But So yeah, uh, Captain America Comics number seven from October 1, 1941. And this is case number one, Captain America in the case of the Red Skull and the Whistling Death. That's how it's presented in the table of contents. Um, on the cover page of, of this case, it just says... Captain America and the Red Skull. Our adventure begins with a scene between two former henchpersons for the Red Skull. They're parting ways, and Van Van Rat reminds Croft to be careful with the money from the Red Skull they were holding on to. Alone, Croft reveals to us he plans to keep the Red Skull's money for himself, that it was time to relax with some comforting music. Instead of music coming from his Victrola, he hears a whistle being played. It's playing the eerie tune of Chopin's Funeral March. A few shots are fired at the distracted Croft, and we see the Red Skull gloating over his dead former henchman. The Red Skull tells us that the Funeral March will be his symbol of death, and will herald doom for Captain America and Bucky. Speaking of Cap and Bucky, Steve Rogers and Bucky just so happen to find a newspaper blowing by that features the headline, Herman Croft Found Murdered. Weird whistling, only clue to slaying a former Red Skull henchman. Steve isn't sure what to make of this since the Red Skull perished in their last encounter. Next, Steve and Bucky happen to get roped into assisting with with props and sets for a theater production on the base. Due to some confusion, they wind up in costumes and acting against the star of the show, Betty Ross. She intends to take the boys to Captain Craig to see about adding lines to their parts, when suddenly, Captain Craig, who was also the camp orchestra conductor begins to hear a weird tune. It's Chopin's funeral march. His conductor's baton begins to glow, and the man falls down dead. Steve and Bucky make a quick departure and return just as quickly to investigate the strange death. The crowd lets them through, and they find the residue of a fast-killing poison. Above them in the rafters, someone drops a heavy sandbag, nearly crushing Cap and or Bucky, who manage to dive out of the way. The alleged perpetrator is quickly caught. When questioned, the man does his best impression of Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins and explains that he's just a simple stagehand minding his business. So Cap lets him go because he's British. Barely out of sight, the stagehand unzips his mask on his head to reveal a face of the Red Skull, which is also a mask. The Red Skull meets up with some goons to finalize some plans to kill General King. Meanwhile, Cap and Bucky go back to rehearsals at the play. When they begin to hear the sound of Chopin's funeral march coming from the general's quarters, Steve and Bucky run off to investigate and quickly change into their uniforms, which were underneath their stage costumes. Captain America meets face-to-face with shockingly alive Red Skull. A fright breaks out between Cap and the goons, which lets Red Skull slip away with his hostage, General King. A lieutenant and some guards arrive and place Cap under arrest until he figures out what happened. A soldier finds a box with a note left by the Red Skull. The note implicates Cap as the Red Skull's partner. Rather than put up with being arrested, Bucky hits the lights and the pair make their escape and waste no time following the Red Skull's tracks. The Red Skull makes it to the docks and tosses the general into a boat, but Cap is already there and socks the Red Skull right into the jaw, sending him into the drink. Bucky is there too and reminds Cap of the well-known fact that the Red Skull can't swim. Cap figures he must have drowned then. The general is freed and clears Cap's name. At play rehearsals, Betty shares the good news with Steve that Captain America put a stop to the Red Skull. The story ends with a caption asking the reader if the Red Skull is truly gone. 
So you're telling me he died again? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sensing a pattern here? <laughs> um, I, I do like, you know, to jump ahead to the very end that, that they they even know this is yeah. the third time that they killed him off. So they're like, hey, do you think he's really gone? That's the bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it actually reminds me of a, it was an Avengers West Coast. I think it was when, when Magneto was actually a good with the... Um, uh, X-Men at the time, but okay. for whatever reason, he was acting evil over in the Avengers West Coast, right? <laughs> yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, he ends up flying, like, explo- dying in a volcano. Like, in a, like he's over a volcano, big explosion happens, and they all joke around, they're like, do you think he's finally finished for good? And they all hmm. went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great, you know? <laughs> and it's kind of, that's kind of how this ends, you know? Mm. They don't explain how how he came back this time though. It's just like <laughs> no, just, just uh, one of those. Yeah, he just he just didn't die the last time, but this time this time for sure he's dead. For sure, yeah, exactly. Now, okay, there's a couple things about this this issue. So when we discussed covering this issue and not just the other two, it was my understanding that this is the first appearance of Johann Schmidt. Right. Nowhere in this story is Johann Schmidt mentioned. No, and, and neither is Maxon. Neither Maxon is even mentioned in the last issue either. No, uh, you're right. Well, maybe at the start. Never mind. Yeah, I mean, I do. They, I mean, do they? I think they just talk about like the skull. I think they just refer yeah. to him as a skull at that point. I, yeah. I don't even remember. And I just talked everything about I it. found. It, <laughs> it, everything I found says that it's Maxon in the first two appearances, and that this yeah. is Johann Schmidt. Clearly, it was a retcon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I wish I looked this up before we started recording. Like, so is Johann Schmidt? Is he referred to as Johann Schmidt? Maybe like once he returns back in the sixties, or is uh, or yes? Okay. As far as so, I can remember, yeah. I'm guessing he's not referenced that way again. So the way I, the way I was at first at taking this was like, okay, they just had an idea for a character, they killed him off. All right, they got to bring him back. And then it's like, oh, actually, well, they brought back the same guy. And and based on how they did the story, it made sense. Mm-hmm. They killed him off. They found a loophole to get him back. Same guy, right? Then he right. gets he he blew, he blew up real good, and he's gone. <laughs> so now the Red Skull comes back, and they're like, okay, well, we want to bring him back, but we'll just say it's a, a, a new guy. And then, you know, later somebody else went back and said, hey, that's actually – well, the uh, the first guy was actually just working for the second guy, yeah. Because um, because that's the one we know, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. we we know. I was shocked when there was no mention, and I should have known <laughs> yeah. better because I know how comics work. But no mention <laughs> of Johann Schmidt whatsoever, or that it's even a different guy, right? You know, there's visually there's no clue cues that this is a different person, right? Right. I mean, he's even got the same green hands, which yeah. makes me think. It's still Maxon, and it was always intended to be Maxon, you know, when they wrote it, because my guess is he, he they became green from the poison, and that's what I'm going with. So, yeah, everything is just, it's just, he's back. No explanation of how he survived. and right. and But, I mean, visually, he's the same guy. And uh, give, given the fact that there is literally no mention that he even could remotely be a different guy, again, uh, somebody retconned to say that, well, the one that appeared in this this third appearance is was really Johann Schmidt. Sure. Um, but yeah, he doesn't act any different than than George Maxon version. So, you know, we have to squint to make it work, I guess. 
but uh, I was disappointed. I was, you know, and honestly, I don't know if we I would have covered this this particular story <laughs> if we if it wasn't truly the first appearance of of the Red Skull that we know. Hmm. And we'll we'll read about for the next you know eighty years, <laughs> right? Because the other two were a good like, uh, like was like the second one was like a good sequel to the first. This yeah. is just the next appearance of the Red Skull. <laughs> sure, there's nothing, uh, nothing other than he's back. Um, that, yeah. that ties it to the other two stories. The other two stories at least referenced each other, and and this one's just kind of doing the same thing again you know he's the red skull loves a gimmick and uh, this (laughs) playing this uh this funeral dirge on this on this flute is is no different than any of that and and (laughs) he he distracts him with this tune and then just shoots him like he's he's done with the syringe and the (laughs) the joy buzzer you know touch of death like he just shoots some people and (laughs) yeah um taking more direct uh methods of killing so i kind of appreciate that i guess he uses poison on the on the orchestra conductor but oh yeah there was red on the on his little wand thing or whatever red poison i do like that the 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 nazi who's betraying this red skull is is von rat yeah so yes of course he's a rat he's gonna steal the money (laughs) right yeah i don't I didn't fully understand what these two guys are. They holding on to Red Skull's money because they think he's alive, or That's my guess. yeah, yeah, or maybe it was supposed to go back to the Fuhrer or to the cause or something yeah, like that. You I couldn't know. understand why they agreed that one of them would hold the money. You know that just see like in their line of work, if they're hench people, like uh, just how, how much do you trust your your fellow hench henchman, right? And and not only like that, the swag. Yeah, <laughs> he specifically calls it swag. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the this uh, Chopin's funeral march. It pops up three or four times in the story. Uh, do you know this tune? I mean, I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty much assuming it's the Undertaker's theme music. Probably you you know this tune whether it's Undertaker's or not, it which it probably is I don't know but you know this song, so yeah, uh, Frederick Chopin, that's that piece of music the Funeral March is actually uh, piano sonata number two, or it's a piece from that I don't know how composed music works but uh, composed in. Uh, 1839 and published in 1840. Um, Chopin was a a, a Polish composer. Uh, I think his father was French, his mother was Polish, and grew up in Poland. I read that it was he composed the piece. Evidence that he associated it with the Polish uprising of the 1830s. Chopin, who was born in Poland, sympathized with his countrymen in their revolt against the Russians. So there's a something about this choice of music that I find really strange, in that the Red Skull is meant to be the ultimate Nazi. I would expect maybe something by Wagner, uh, you know, Ride of the Valkyries, or maybe Beethoven. Just, just those are just two German-born. Uh, composers that I know of that I'm sure there are more and not that that makes 
those two composers, you know, Nazis. That's not what I'm saying. I think <laughs> someone like the Red Skull would choose the music of of someone from his country, you know, in place of someone from another country, I guess, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. But I wonder if it's just one of those, like, that's such a well-known... That's like, probably what it is, but yeah. just thought that was interesting. It's funny that my go-to is wrestling for <laughs> for for classical music. I really like the page where the newspaper, you know, it's like the next morning after he's killed uh, Croft and kind of announcing that he's back and everything that this uh, the Chopin's funeral march will be his symbol of death. But then they they devote a couple panels to this newspaper like blowing through the city or at least down the street, um, and it makes its way to Bucky. But the panels themselves have, like, one's got a red background, one's blue, one has uh, some pink and and blue and some yellow. It's just, it's mostly all primary colors, which is is very common, you know, for comic books of this this time period, but a little bit of use of, of some secondary colors, like green and... And stuff, but it's it's just a very like this page really pops, you know. Yeah, it's funny that they devote so much time to that, but yeah, it, it is. Yeah, instead of just having them like pick up a newspaper, right? Yeah, which they would have done normally anyways. That's how they would have got their news. So it's weird that they constructed this method of showing this paper just blowing down the street. You know, I just I don't know. It's just an, an odd little thing that they did. They chose to do. I don't dislike it. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm with you. It's, but it is weird that it's there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I just read the stuff. I definitely have become more aware of the them, you know, using the trick of having the characters, you know, front and center, and then the backgrounds are just pops of color or very simple, sometimes some 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 detail, some lines, but essentially, a lot of these panels and these stories are just the the character in front of a solid color background, and that's that's part of what made Jack Kirby so fast. I mean, eventually he could do the entire detailed panel with none of these tricks. It definitely adds to why these guys were so fast. Um, then it kind of cuts to this part of the story that I didn't care for of. Bucky and Steve getting roped into this uh, play production thing that the is is happening on the base. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. It, it's just it's they just keep snowballing into a bigger and bigger uh, <laughs> role in the play. Like they're just I don't even think that they're involved. And then some guy sees them and says, "Hey, you guys need to move these uh, the sets around." Yeah. And they get there and. Suddenly they're being fitted for costumes and then they run into uh, someone we haven't really talked about, but I do know is a, uh, a character in these stories, uh, Betty Ross. Not that Betty Ross, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and I think she came from uh, issue two, I think. But yeah, she's kind of their, you know, just someone in, in their lives, I guess. Someone that they bump into from time to time. The whole thing with them getting pressed into service for this base play is is kind of goes back to what I said about like why do they have him be an E1 a private yeah. because that's 
type of crap. Like Captain America has to go save the world <laughs> from a uh, you know a drill that's drilling here, but because nobody knows he's Cap, he's got to go do a working party <laughs> and and like pick up stuff for the stage. You know, like yeah. and, and I even wrote because like this is a you know this is a line for the military guys. You never lift with your back. You lift with your E one. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly, and of course, you know, I I actually like this bit of the of of the play of the, of okay. the story. I just don't think it fit in a Red Skull story, right? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I would have totally been on board and read a funny little Cap and Bucky get mixed up in this like you know shenanigan goofy thing, but not while Red Skull's murdering everybody. Yeah, you know, like. There could have been maybe a spy that they had to deal with while they're trying. Like they have, they're, yeah. they're getting pressed further and further into service. You know, more or less, dra- more or less drafted, if you will. Because I think, yeah, I think Bucky even says that we were pressed into service because, again, it was a series of unfortunate mistakes <laughs> that they keep thinking they're somebody yeah. more important to the play than they are each time. I like uh, Bucky's line: "Holy catfish, we're getting deeper." In- <laughs> Getting deeper every minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like um, I, the the line I like is, and Bucky's got a great line here where they talk about like, oh, this was all the rage in the 1890s or, you know, in the gay 90s. Yeah. And he goes, he goes more like outrage because <laughs> he hated the outfit he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I thought that was, you know, hilarious. But, but yeah, like the whole bit of them trying to like, hide their identities while trying to stop yeah. a spy that's trying to ruin the play or do something on base would have been great. It's just Skull didn't need to have to murder the <laughs> banded director or sure. whatever of the, of the play. Yeah. Well, and you touched on something there that I think, I think is at the root of what I didn't like about this is the skull stuff in this story is so dark and serious. And then this is just, these guys are, you know, plan dress up and getting like you know wrapped up into these like goofy situations it's just it's like this part is just too lighthearted and silly (laughs) compared to the the serious stakes that are going on i mean all we've seen red skull do in this issue is kill a henchman so that's at least you know until uh, this part of the where they get to the play and and the band direct the band leader gets uh gets offed with the the poison baton you know i'm glad that uh red skull is kind of trying new methods you know it's not a like i said before he's got a gimmick but it's not uh you know a touch of death or a look of death stare of death (laughs) right right (laughs) it's uh it's a it's a well it's a whistle and a gun (laughs) yeah I, I guess what he sees Cap right, and that's why he tries to drop the like yeah. stage prop. You know, like he's an opportunist. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing, the whole thing with that, like, kills me too because it's like he's clearly dressed like the Red Skull still, minus the swastika. <laughs> yeah, he's even got his green hands. Right. Mm-hmm. It's an old man with uh, like a mohawk, basically. <laughs> yeah, a white mohawk and a big white beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh. And I and I love it. He's like, hey, 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 governor, you know? Yeah. Well, I, f- I first saw this guy. I was like, oh, this is what their version of Johann Schmidt looks like. I was like, oh, that, that's is, this is so not what I. I was expecting. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, oh, they really had to work on his. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, I thought he was. A, I mean, I know they retconned that he was like a bellhop, and Hitler said, yeah. He would, 
I can make wh- anybody into like the ultimate Nazi. Yeah. I, but that came later. So I'm like, is this what they came up with? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing. And then, all right. So there's a lot to pick apart here because it's like, I said he's basically pulling a Hans Gruber, you know, where he's like, oh, yeah, on a fake accent, you know, and Bill Clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Captain America is like, he's taking swings at Bucky and <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. fighting him, you know. But he's like, oh, you're you're a Britisher, like he Britisher, say yeah, yeah, a Britisher. I guess you're okay. <laughs> so what? There weren't turncoats in the British, you right. know, you know. <laughs> I God. just I don't know. Like, I gotta say it, Cap kind of sucks in these stories. <laughs> he's <laughs> just not good at his job. He's good at the punchy stuff, but not at the. I mean, all all heroes get duped by the you know by the villains and stuff. So. The villain's not even trying that hard, and Cap's <laughs> like, "Duh, yeah." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you, you like," and he's and he's being very like, I don't even know how to say it, but he's like prejudiced, but maybe like like uh, like I don't know how to say like, it. Like he's you couldn't be a bad person because you're British, yeah. Right, exactly, right, right. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, wait, well, what? <laughs> like, well, yeah. So I, I just, yeah. That's why we needed Bucky to do the dirty work, right? Right. Cat yeah. was just not getting the job done. <laughs> he's gonna make this a Britisher roll over on his own needle if he doesn't watch out. Yeah. Once he lets him go, you turn the page, and I about lost my mind when I saw this old man unzip his mask like down the side of his face you know and it if you look closely enough it's definitely like a zipper type situation yeah um yeah. i have a real hard time with this sort of stuff like <laughs> it's not the rubber mask that you know that he was wearing from the uh from first avenger it's not yeah. the mission impossible mask it's literally just like a yeah a zipper it, it works because these are drawings you know uh, it's on a page, but the idea of a person like in 1941 convincing Captain America that he's just this normal guy, uh, you know, he's got two layers of masks on. Uh, it's a bit much to handle. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because and the thing is, you know, that skull mask isn't formed to his yeah. head the way a normal head would be. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. he must look like a freak, you know, Yeah, <laughs> his head would be like the size of a beach ball, you know. Right. In, in in the circle back to Cat being bad at his job, like when like he's real compassionate too. When the the, the whatever I forget his, the guy who dies who's conducting the uh, mm. orchestra and all that. Craig, he's like, yeah. yep, yeah, yep. He's dead, all right. <laughs> it's like yeah. okay, okay, yep, okay, thanks a lot. But yeah, but then they're like right back to being in uniform uh, in in yeah. costume, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then and. and- Kind of a bit more of the same, you know, uh, Red Skull teams up or groups up with his goons and talks about the plan, what what the plan is, and they're going to take out, uh, I believe, a general. I just, I just got to say before we go further, we had somebody die during rehearsal. We had an attempted murder. There is no way that they would go back to doing this play. No. Well, the show <laughs> must go on. I, I don't well, know if you've ever true. heard that. I, I kind of just made that up. <laughs> literally somebody could break a leg is what you're telling me and they'd still go on that's right mm. um yeah but they're at the next day's rehearsal or whatever and they start to hear this this eerie tune coming from the general's quarters and so cap and bucky of course change into their uniforms which i do believe are underneath their play costumes yeah the way they change uh i often question like they're not changing out of their 
stuff. It's usually their their cap costumes are under usually underneath. Yeah, and I'm always like, how how many layers do they have on right now? <laughs> right, <laughs> stuff like that always. I'm fine with with that being the case for Spider-Man because that costume is meant to be very form-fitting and it's something you can basically fit underneath any of your clothes. But then when you look at Captain America, it's like his big, you know, chunky boots are under there. Where's the shield? You know, it's like, it's like chain mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, that's comics. Right. So, um, I mean, if, if you can fit a mask under a mask, you can fit a yeah. you know cap uniform under your costume for the play. You know, there's a confrontation with with Cap and and Red Skull. It just it basically leads leads to a scuffle, and the Red Skull gets away with uh, with this general. And there is a section here I like where they they suspect Captain America. They find a, a note or another box with a skull, and a note that that says. Uh, Hey, sorry if you were nabbed, but uh, if you're shot for this, I'll avenge your death. Signed, the Red Skull. So, so can I say the first time I read that, I thought that it was like him just taunting Cap, mm. like, "Hey, sorry," you know. I didn't realize that he was setting him up, setting him up, right? Yeah. That that was like to make them think that he. I, I like when I first read it, I looked and I'm like, "Oh, Cap is getting." accused for a completely other reason and then he's like ha 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 sorry you're getting nabbed i'll avenge you like ha and he's like he's teasing him and then i'm like wait no it doesn't make any sense especially the more i read and i went back and read the panel again and i'm like okay yeah he's framing him you know <laughs> which is why i went the other direction i don't know but it's clear that he's he was framing him but i like that that kind of leads to cap having to i mean going rogue isn't really the right thing to say since they're not technically they're they're going rogue from the start so you know because they're not really operating under a an official capacity but i do like that they're they they don't give in and, and let you know let themselves be arrested they they uh they keep fighting you know they keep going after uh the red skull yeah because you know bucky bucky turns the lights out and nobody can see a thing yeah which is fun that they make it a a, a black panel with just word balloons, you know. That's yeah. a fun, fun way to, to do that. Yeah, agreed. So uh, they catch up to the Red Skull somehow. They don't really like Red Skull. Even says like it's impossible. How did you get here? And Cap says by carrier pigeon, wise guy, and just <laughs> clocks him one. So I like that they don't really explain. They just you know comics physics. You're right. <laughs> so, so what? At what point does he? Uh, was it Skull that said he was a bad penny, and he always turns up? That was right before the frame up. Yeah, that's right. I because I, I, I just put a little note reminded me that's something Indiana Jones said. <laughs> that's mm. something I like to use, and I was like, "Oh, right." It's, it's one of those lines that stood out when I was reading it. And yeah, I mean, he socks him in the jaw and sends him into the water. And that's the the last we'll ever see of of uh, the Red Skull, right? Right. Well, because as as we've established, and as it's, I think we've done three storylines now, right? And clearly, they dealt with the Red Skull and his uh, fear and inability to do with anything <laughs> with water. Everyone knows the Red Skull can't swim. Yeah, because I, I think I had one of those, you know, back in the 90s, I had the Marvel card, and it would be like, <laughs> oh, power's weakness, and it was like swimming, you know, like that was that was one of his weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So just got to get the cards. <laughs> uh, so so okay. So he's definitely dead, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's you no know, coming back. He from... must have drowned. I really hope the the get out of death card on this one is that he's got like a little one man submarine stashed underneath. You know, the next yeah. time we see him, it'll be him swimming to his his submersible. <laughs> right, right. He's got a he's got a um uh, like a scuba gear, scuba gear underneath his yeah. stash there. Na- Namor swims him away, rescues yeah. him. Who knows? Yeah. Before Namor, Namor realizes he's a Nazi. You know, I, I just want to, you know, back you up on what you were saying about Cap not being good at his job because he's like, he, well, he must be dead. He, you know, <laughs> yeah. he must have drowned. This is the third time you've seen him die. Yeah. And you just are like, yep, he's dead. And, he, and, and I would definitely say, the second one was the most definitive of them all. This is like the least definitive of them. Right. Who knows what could have happened to him? I know, yeah. <laughs> but that's why I like how it ends with, dear reader, do you actually believe he's dead or not? <laughs> <laughs> right. A little nod and a wink to, he's right. coming yeah. back. We're just, we have to leave you with a cliffhanger each time. Right. Because you can't have the skull on the loose like all the time because it, it would get boring. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's, he's too powerful and too destructive. So. <laughs> So that was the origin of Johann Schmidt, everybody. It sure, sure was. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, uh, kill me. Like I said, I would I would have I would have not pushed to do this particular story <laughs> if I had known that it really wasn't, you know, we could have just mentioned casually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but damn it, we did the research, so we're gonna talk about it. That's right. <laughs> What do you think, readers, uh, listeners? <laughs> do you think Red Skull's coming back sometime? You think we're coming back sometime? <laughs> right. Out of the three, which was your favorite uh, issue? I guess or story. Um, I don't. It's it's kind of a tie between the first and the second one. But I got to yeah. say, I think I had a little more fun reading the second one. I think there was a lot of good fight scenes in that one. Yeah. What I didn't like is the whole subplot with like the fakes yeah yeah but i liked that the red skull murdered what he thought was the real yeah, captain america yeah 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 the second one is also my uh it's by far my favorite of the two or of the three um, yeah i d- would have been fine if i had never read this third one in my entire life i would have gone yeah. on just fine it's not like i hate it i mean i'm happy to read I'm happy to read Captain America. I'm happy to read right. old-timey comics, um, I'm, and I love talking about them. Um, I think I've had some fun just talking about this particular case number. Yeah. But I wouldn't have missed it either if we, hit no. that, if we hadn't yeah. done it. This was why I, I really struggled getting through the, the stuff of them uh, get, getting involved in the play and, and all that stuff. I just was like, come on, there there is a man out there whistling <laughs> to people. <laughs> You can't let that continue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that man is the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll turn good eventually. <laughs> uh, the first one's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's a good setup, I guess, you know. Yeah, I yeah. think the second one is more in line with what I think of the Red Skull. He was much more villainous and yeah. vindictive and, and destructive. Um, he, had, he had a plot that, was, that affected not only the whole city, but mm. a personal stake with Captain America where he thought he murdered him. Sure. A little more than a thug in the first appearance. 
Yeah. You know, obviously like a ringleader, uh, but I mean, he was a spy and he's a Nazi and all that good stuff. But I, I, I think he was came into his own more on the second one. His third one, again, he's an assassin and, it, and it's cool that he's taking people out and he's he's effective for part of the you know story. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm totally on board with a goofy plot like that with Cap and Bucky and, and and do the sillier kind of story, but it should have been like the fourth story of a of you know of the comic. Right. And it should have been a short one and it should have been not the Red Skull murdering people, but right. just some inept saboteurs while they're like trying to hide their Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There there's definitely some fun that could be had with that. Yeah. It's just for it sure. didn't mesh well. Cause there was a story in in, you know, we didn't cover it here, but I know we both have read it. In Captain America comics number two, where they have to dress up, they have they have to cross dress, <laughs> yeah. and I I can't remember what the setup is, but I do remember having fun reading that one. You know, that's it's it's worth it for that story, you know. Right, and as as we were kind of talking offline, when we you know when we were kind of you know before, before recording, and uh, like man, these guys love their costumes, you know, <laughs> like they love playing yeah. dress up. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> I feel like we. We'll definitely talk about the Red Skull again. It might be a little little while. Um, I'm I'm guessing he pops up, you know, pretty regularly in these stories. Um, but uh, yeah, with the war going coming and all that, I would have to imagine that. Yeah, yeah, back, he'll be back. Yeah, and we'll be back. I think we're gonna tackle the introduction or I guess assembly of a team of heroes. I always think of them as being called the invaders. Um, I'm not sure if that's the the correct name for them yet. Um, we're going to talk about All Winners Comics, number one, and that's going to be a team-up book with Captain America, Bucky, Human Torch, Namor, Toro, uh, who's Human Torch's little, little buddy, and then it might be uh, the angel as well. So it's it's a team up book, and these guys are all, I think, fighting. Uh, the, I mean, again, the war hasn't started yet for uh, the U.S., so I don't know if they're going to war, but uh, we'll find out, I suppose. Yeah. So get reading, everybody, if you want right. to follow along with us, and uh, if you have any comments about this episode or or anything about all winners once we start digging into that um you can reach us at the facebook uh our facebook group uh the what is it the marvel events timeline baxter building break room that's right did i get it right yeah you did a yeah. lot of alliter- a lot of alliteration in that <laughs> stan would be stan- proud i was just gonna say that yeah. <laughs> yes he would so yeah we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the red skull and or what you think is going to happen with all winners uh comics yeah, I think that's probably going to do it. And uh, maybe we'll play ourselves out with uh, a nice uh, funeral march. Come back next time for the continuing journey with Travis and Brian. 
Until then, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash groups slash Marvel Events Timeline. On Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Events Pod, or email the show at marveleventspod at gmail.com. The dun, 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 yeah, whatever. Um, um, of course, I'm yes. butchering it as I'm trying to do it. <laughs> I believe it is that one. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I think I know what it is. Uh, what is it? Dun, 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 yep. Yeah, there you go. That is that is totally the Undertaker's okay. theme music. Yep. Okay. Then I won't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did a much better job than I. That's our blooper at the end. <laughs>